Welcome to Wishes Granted. I'm Kyle, and today I talk with Nicolene Arns, a designer and the co-founder of Doing Good. Doing Good is an NFT marketplace where people can buy and sell NFT art, but also make it and collaborate together. What is an NFT, you ask? Let me explain. An NFT is a new way to create a contract using a blockchain such as Ethereum. If terms NFT or blockchain or Ethereum or Bitcoin are new to you, then probably you want to read up on it a little before listening to this episode to fully understand what we're talking about. You could just Google that. But I'll give you a short explanation here as an example. When I lived in Kenya, there was always a problem determining who owned what piece of land. You could often find signs on land that said, land not for sale, because someone with a fake title deed might try to sell your land out from under you. This is because it's very hard to determine who has the correct title deed and who doesn't in Kenya and in many parts of the world. Someone in the land registry in the government office could be bribed to create a fake title deed. So it's impossible to know which title deed is correct. People end up in court fighting over who owns what piece of land. Well, NFTs solve this by putting the contract for a piece of land or a piece of art or any other item of value on the blockchain. We can be absolutely certain which title deed is the authentic one. So there's never any question about who owns what piece of land. Okay, this hasn't yet happened for land in Kenya, but I expect it will someday, and it is being implemented for art already. Nicolene's company, Doing Good, is trying to find a way to finance the creation of art on the blockchain in this marketplace. I think the best way to think about Doing Good is as the crypto-native version of Indiegogo or Kickstarter, where you can crowdsource funding for some kind of social endeavor you have or art project which is how this all ties back to social enterprise work and funding i hope you enjoy this episode and if it feels like your mind is melting it's just because you're learning a lot really really fast you're going through the same experience the rest of us went through when we were trying to wrap our heads around what an nft is i promise that it's worth the journey all right let's do this Nicolene, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Kyle. Thank you very much for inviting me here. Great. So I wanted to get started with what is doing good? What are you doing? What is doing good? <laughs> we are doing uh-huh. good. What, what is our vision of what doing good could be? At least we want to provide for people to have a chance to do good. So that's why the name is right there. It's not pretending that we know how to do good, but it's uh, really putting in that infrastructure so other people can do good. The thing is that it's a, it's an ecosystem. It's, it's in the cloud. I mean, it's in the decentralized cloud. And it's bringing together creators, together with social organizations, through the wonderful world of NFTs. So through the NFT marketplace, basically creators are connected to social organizations and they can do things together. But also to split funds, and also to connect and build things mm-hmm. together. So, uh, yeah, that has been good. It seems like doing good is, if, if I think about it in a web, web 2.0 terms, there's a few things that you've pulled together. It's like Kickstarter, in a way, 
And it's kind of like um, Upwork, where there's lots of kind of jobs. People can collaborate on different things. Uh, how do you think about that? Is there mm-hmm. sort of like, you know, there's like a bundling and unbundling of services that happen. It feels like doing good is a bundling of a bunch of different uh, things. Yes. Yeah, actually it is. We want to be like a platform that is less a platform and more ecosystem. So different things are possible and like whether in like uh, web two, you will need to build like different apps for that in the wonderful world of web three, you can actually combine a lot of things through this format of smart contracts and decentralization uh, technologies. So you don't need to have separate apps to and have a platform for people to showcase their art and sell it, but also add that collaboration layer there. So the creators can actually form already collaborations, register everything in the smart contract that is is there, that they set up, and then automatically the funds will go wherever they decided to go. And I mean, they they can basically decide how the collaboration uh, Mm -hmm. works between them. So yeah, you don't need to build different uh, platforms for that. Uh, You can all do that in one in one technical way, which is through the NFT smart Mm -hmm. contract. So who is doing good for because i saw a presentation i think at ethcc where you talked about all the sdgs sustainable development goals sounds called yes is this just for artists or is this something that's bigger it's bigger obviously <laughs> it's always bigger <laughs> if you ask the founders it's always bigger than the start we're starting though with creators we don't also don't want to limit to to artists in that sense. So what does creators uh, mean? Creations and creations can be creations means like anyone that that creates something. So although initially we are really focused on like digital art, but could be video, audio, visual, anything like that. Of course, the whole format of NFTs is not limited to anything. A creation can be a science project. It can be a poem. It can be anything that is created and unique. So in that sense, there is no limits. Mm-hmm. And also we really realized that like, we are not like the only on the platform that is basically curating and deciding uh, what will be on the displayed on the website. It's, it's like a, an ecosystem that will be shaped by different communities. So people can open up their own galleries and their own com- communities and curate them in a way that they feel like, and that fits with their audience. So. In that sense, it's not limited to digital art at some point, for sure. Because what we hope that will happen is that these communities really bring that diversity to the format of NFTs. So each community is, I mean, they know their audience, they know their network. They come from different sides of the world, of the globe, of all different hemispheres. So they will bring their own diversity into into this ecosystem by curating that NFTs that they feel that... uh, that needs to be there. So do you think of this more as a fundraising platform or more as like a community organization kind of thing? So you're saying people bring their own communities and this is a, this is a tool for them Mm -hmm. to collaborate almost like Slack is a tool to collaborate, but maybe, I don't know, maybe there's some more web three VR aspect to it. I don't know. And, or is it like more like Kickstarter where you go there and then Kickstarter will help bring, you know, funders to to your project is this more like on the, the creation side production or we're more on the funding focus more on the funding it actually it's it's both 
it's a funding but through the the force and the energy of communities so it's not it's basically everybody that uh, participates in the ecosystem is really a participant uh, they each have their role of course you have people that buy the artwork they buy the nfts of course but they are the collectors but they can also be organizations they can be anything also, the social organization is not just like a passive receiver of donations. They are part of the community. So everybody that interacts with the platform also is a participant. So in that sense, it's more about community than about fundraising. But fundraising is usually like a one-way direction of funds. It has to do with donations and, and passive uh, charities on the other side. Uh, and we want to make this a more vibrant ecosystem where everybody is really putting in touch with each mm -hmm. other and why did you um, see so... that doing good was necessary because there's lots of marketplaces for nfts lots of marketplaces for art nfts of various kinds you know open sea versus foundation you'll see the mm -hmm. style of the arts very different but there's a lot so why what was was there a moment when you're like this has to happen this is not happening currently and someone needs to build this and no one's going to build it so Nicoline and team are going to build this, you know, you and your co-founders. Was there a moment there where you're like, we have to do this thing? Yeah, for sure. I think there were different moments on different people as well, because the one who started this, actually two people, it's Manu and Andrew, which is the co-founders that started and kicked this off. And they already were, they set up like a whole community that builds an app called Fighting Pandemics. And that was already running for like within like a huge volunteers base, like 800 active volunteers building uh, software together for one year time. They, they, they built this with pure human capital. You say what that is just and so people listening know what fighting pandemic is? Fight pandemics. Yeah, it, it was a project that Manu set it up like basically after he had COVID and he realized there was a lot of people that wanted to offer help. And there was also a lot of people that needed help, but there was not like a very clear, understandable platform that people could just, uh, you know, put them together. So he decided to start that up and he rallied so many people around this cause that there was so many volunteers working on this, like a huge community of all these people that came together to do good. That really, he was like, yeah, that was like a huge eye opener for him. Like, well, it's the community that that is the important thing here. So that transitioned at some point, like, okay, let's bring some value for everybody that is part of this community. And where is the value at this moment? Well, like NFTs is going to be uh, the thing. And also uh, from a decentralized core value aspect, it's, it's a very interesting format to be able to truly decentralize uh, an ecosystem and really bring that control and the rights and privacy data, everything that has to do with decentralization to bring that aspect into one community so yeah this both things decided like okay let's let's go for nfts as a, as a way uh to mm -hmm. do it for these two mm -hmm, mm -hmm. these two things so if um, someone wants to get involved yeah. and i mean there's different moments yeah, when ahead. we entered it was more like for me it was more to bring all the i'm coming from background that i always want to bring like different communities together that i can see that their values are like super super aligned but they just speak different languages. And for me, that just happens a lot with like social organizations, cooperatives, people that work with groups 
facilitating horizontal sociocratic structures. And on the other side, you have the whole Ethereum community, developers, Web3, and they share the same core values of decentralizing power, creating new ways to exchange values and all these things. But since they don't speak the same language, sometimes it's hard for them to understand each other. And I always figured like if we can get these two groups together, they, a lot of things can speed up in this sense uh, because they both can learn from each side. Like, I mean, obviously like the technology could speed and scale up a lot of social organizations and the other way around as well, like all the technology coders, if they learn from all the experience social organizations has to actually have like a group of humans working together, making decisions together and also governance systems that exist there. I think that both have a lot to give to each other. So for me, that is like really to bring these groups together and that with the creators and the artists, that's a very strong driver as well for innovation and a new way to see things. It's a very powerful combination, I think, of, of people coming together. And yeah, that's why doing good is needed. <laughs> yeah, think. yeah. It, once you dig into it, it makes so much sense that the future obviously will be different than the present. It seems to have a lot of software involved. You, you can scale things up with zero marginal cost. And then there's a few slowly different things emerge, like, you know, payment systems online that kind of happened earlier. And then you needed payment systems to have Uber. Like you couldn't have Uber until you had payment systems online. And then there's a few, few things like, you know, it takes time for some things to happen. Like banking online weirdly took a long time to happen, right? Even healthcare online or like you can't, you could go to court now on Zoom, I think. But, you know, that took a long time to go to court online. And then now bringing like the social impact in, which is, you know, you know, very complicated. Coding is very rigid. Like if this, then this happens. There's, there's just no two ways about it, you know? It's, it's not like flex a flexible thing. Yeah. And then I don't know, maybe for some reason, it seems like it, that happened last or it's now just happening to bring in the, the social impact or uh, these kind of organizations to, that's interesting. Do you have any examples of any projects that you see coming up for doing good, which, which you're particularly, which you find is good examples for people to understand what doing good does and what communities are possible now? Yeah, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm just really happy with all the people that uh, came to join us in this uh, crazy ride. Uh, especially like our partners and people that believe in us. And like, of course, most of these partners are communities themselves that have a very strong presence in, in the crypto space, but also outside of that. There is one community, for example, that's called Agora. It's a community of photographers, very high quality of community that evolves around really recognizing good photography between the community. So they give each other awards and they have like a whole like voting, a real, real decentralized voting system already inside the app. And these are the kind of communities that are attracted by doing good and they would like to just upscale their already existing values with the technology of NFT and connect themselves to other kinds of creators and also to the social organizations. Mm -hmm. They already have like, for example, awards that are strictly connected to the the UN values or like the sustainable development goals or like other human, human things like that we want to improve in society, right? So that is a good example, I think, 
they are really hitting off. We have on the other side, more on the technology side, we have another uh, partner that is space. They are more like a metaverse. It's literally a, a space in the metaverse, <laughs> but they also come with like incredible values of bringing communities together and giving that, yeah, that same space and area and expertise to different galleries and communities to do their own thing. So that is a good example too. There's other examples of projects that are really evolving around this decentralized governance. Uh, there's a lot of DAOs, which means a decentralized autonomous organization. If you are interested in that, you can, you can find a lot of things online and organizations that are all shaping these organizations that really, really evolve about decentralizing power to a huge group. Have you ever people. been part of a DAO? And yeah, I mean, they're, uh, yeah, yeah. What was that like? Uh, yeah. but, um, did you ever vote in the DAO? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. It's, it's not, I mean, all, there's so many DAOs and they're all like very different. They're as different as the communities are different. So the big, the thing is that you can, that is prepared for a set of rules and decentralization and things. It doesn't mean that it actually is like that. Like it's the same, like if you have a cooperative in, um, in the offline world is to say as like a business structure, that doesn't mean that all cooperatives are uh, horizontal and having like a very transparent decision-making process and all these things. The, the structure is prepared for it, but it doesn't mean that it always happens. Uh, it's always the community that shapes the structure and the decision-making process of the DAO. So there's a lot of different ones and you just need to find your, where you fit in and where you feel attracted to and, and start to you know to experiment and make uh, proposals yourself because mostly how it works is like if you have uh, you have a shared vision for the DAO that you are attracted to and that's why you join and you can make the proposals about like what would happen to if I mean if the DAO is connected to a product for example you can uh, maybe suggest new features or you maybe suggest like a new marketing campaign or whatever you feel like uh, should be good for the whole group and you make a proposal, people vote, and then, I mean, but it can still be designed in a lot of different ways. I think a, a, a good way to think about a DAO is just as a company or as a nonprofit, as an organization that kind of makes it easier for more people to have, a, instead of having a small board of directors, it's like having every one part of it be part of the board of directors. Is that wrong? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's definitely part of it. There's also a big part of it that is like it's a direct uh, also economic uh, incentive or at least a value exchange incentive. Depends if the token is really uh, economical token or it's just a value exchange that is more internal. It depends a little bit on the DAO. But yeah, there is tools being used to get to decisions, to make proposals approved. So there's like a, a direct also economic incentives to approve things and people make decisions also on that level so that is something you don't see so often in like traditional cooperatives or or businesses even mm-hmm. in that sense so yeah what you said the board of directors is like everyone so they also make decisions on almost everything mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's a it's a challenge in the same time that it's very exciting so if someone wants to become part of the doing good community they want to list their project become part of the community to contribute or to raise capital there what do you recommend 
at this moment, I would say jump on the Discord with us and chat there. We have already a lot of material out there that is more explaining what is NFT, like the the, the basics of, of all this new technology and about the community, about the DAO. So we are, we are very high on educational output there. And we are very open for people to ask questions. So I would jump on the, on the Discord. I would welcome everybody there. And in case you are like a social organization, yeah, prepare yourself to receive crypto and, and contact us. What does one need to do to prepare to receive crypto? First, I think you'll need to understand a little bit what, what that means and that you really need to be like your, your own bank in that sense, because you're the one that's in control of your bank account in that sense. Like it's uh, your, your wallet is your own bank account. So don't expect like to have a, like a credit card that works with it, all these services that normally you need to pay a bank for. Uh, I mean, you are your own bank. So it comes with responsibility. I think that you should be at least aware of it. But just for technical setup, it's very easy. It just, it seems a bit overwhelming, maybe the information that is there. But if you would uh, search for like uh, setting up a wallet with MetaMask or anything uh, that's crypto wallet, there is so much things already online that explains step-by-step how to do it. It's not complicated, but yeah, I would mm. recommend to just read up a little bit about what responsibilities. I think your discord is, is really good. The information that you have, you have a lot of videos. And so it's all kind of in one place on different aspects, everything from the taxation to how to store the art behind an NFT, things like that. I think that uh, your Discord is really good. And Discord is, it's kind of, it's the first time I used it actually properly with doing good, where I joined a... I'm glad you got inspired. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It was good. It was good. I just joined some room and then you could just watch everyone, you know, give a talk. So it was like you're in the conference. It, it was weird. It was like a Skype call, mm-hmm. but you're, everyone was there and I don't, I don't know. It was, it was cool. It was cool. So you just jump into the room. And you have different moments of interaction. Of course you have a chat, but you also have like, we have also Twitter spaces where you can participate. There is... Also, our happy hour that we do it every Friday. So you can just jump in and get to know the team a bit and talk about things. We also have the big think that is more about, yeah, more about thinking about these concepts and ask questions as well and a bit about the philosophy. Then we have a podcast, which is called Tokenverse, where we really talk with experts in the industry about different subjects that you can also tune into. So, yeah, we have a lot of, of ways to, to interact. And we really would like to hear from from all the people coming in the community. I mean, that you like the Discord is, is kudos to the to the community because everybody is very active and very open and wants to answer questions. And so there's very low boundary there. Yeah, the, you, the Discord is really good and it's unusual. There's a lot of organizations and tokens that have a Discord and mostly there's nothing going on in them. And yours is very active. So that's, that's, you know, different. So it probably took a lot of work to get the community going, but now there's a, a momentum to it, which is, which is great. I want to ask you about a different part. I th- you're also a designer, right? Or you are a designer. And yeah, that's where I come from. <laughs> yeah. And I found that's interesting how web three, the design seems a bit different, like superficially, just visually different, but probably on the back end as well. It's probably, probably related to other things. And I just wanted to ask you about that, especially for people listening to this, they're 
working on their design for their business, which if they're starting it now, it's going to be, you know, live for the next 10 years. So they're prepared, preparing for the future, which is going to have a whole new set of design suggestions and, and rules. And just like, just to start off with a few things I've noticed is that buttons seem to be pill shaped rather than kind of a square box. It's a pill. And then text, we have variegated color across the text. This is a common thing I've seen across many different websites and different kinds of design. I wondered uh, where that comes from and, and what you think about that. Well, this is like an ever evolving, almost science <laughs> in this sense. So uh, yeah, what you said, like, okay, people are setting up their website and it's going to be there for the next 10 years. That is not going to happen like ever because this is uh, such a fast evolving field especially now in Web3, where the, the audience is becoming more uh, widespread and not just the, the, the crypto people and the technical people that's coming to this, this website. So yeah, my tip would be like, set it up very flexible so you can change these things because there's no hard science that, okay, this, this now works. Everybody is always researching about the best usability and a lot of uh, psych psychological things come come to mind like with designing this kind of thing like oh, why one button is this shape and one is the other shape it has to do with being consistent in the functions of of the buttons like uh, this button will bring you for example to outside link out of the website and all these buttons that have that function will need to look the same if that is a sign up button that always needs to have a shape that is recognizable and distinct himself from other buttons these kind of things and of course there is that's just the functionality aspect of it and then you have the approachability and the inclusiveness aspect of it too so the size of the text the colors uh, needs to be readable for a lot of people maybe people that don't see well maybe people that are don't want to read the whole page just to do an action so you need to have like it's like a psychology. You need to know people's behavior and study that to be able to website, to design well the UX of the website. So yeah, I would say like see first what kind of people are using your website and set it up to be flexible so you can adapt it because also people's behaviors change, especially with web apps and things that they're used to and other apps change and then if Google makes a change in the end, everything needs to change because people are, are used to certain behaviors. So yeah, I would definitely not set up your website for the next 10 years and see a little bit the logic. And sometimes it's easy just to copy things from things that work, you know, you don't need to invent everything by yourself. Although it's nice to always be critical, but in the same time, there's also a lot of good things being developed. Hmm. Which platform do you use for developing? What, what's the sort of easiest one to get used to for developing your website now that will be relevant in the future? Uh, yeah, I mean, we don't really use like Web2 tools. So for for us, it's like a little bit, we use like React. And, but yeah, I mean, the front end is one thing, but like in Web3, you have a lot of systems behind that really decentralize all the data and, and all the interactions even. I mean, there's no central server where things go so everything is set up to be decentralized so that has the challenges we try to make it as a ui friendly you you shouldn't notice that all this text there behind it 
from the website, at least I'm doing good. It, it's all being built very carefully, but you should notice that it's even more complicated than just a WordPress mm -hmm. or something. And for someone to get started on doing good, I'm guessing they need, I'm guessing they need MetaMask or similar, a wallet. Yeah, at this moment we we support MetaMask. I mean, we have the Wallet Connect, so you can connect to different wallets too. At some point in time, and we're working really hard on that. We also want to accept like credit card payments, so that you'll have your regular credit card provider, maybe Stripe or another provider of credit card payments. But for now, yeah, it's it's mostly crypto. And I would say like if you're not used to the whole crypto world, uh, MetaMask is pretty is pretty accessible mm -hmm. and they're also constantly improving their ui to make the experience better so yeah all these projects are relatively young you know so they they can do with some feedback too so if you think something should be improved just write them you know mm -hmm. i, <laughs> they mask I found things. so helpful just almost any web3 website you can use metamask to log in and it's actually pretty straightforward. Yeah, really and then the funny thing is that um, with Web2, you'd sign in with your email address and a password or maybe your username and a password. And th with this, I think everything in Web3, you sign in with your MetaMask or your wallet. So basically, it's like you're signing in with your credit card. And then they don't even know your email address, which is funny. They find out your email address later on if you want yeah, to. Or your name or anything that you don't want to put that. Yeah, yeah. It's maybe just the wallet. So you just sign in. You basically it's sign like in with you your bank your account. your IBAN number. And that's it. You just sign in with your yeah, bank you account. Yeah, you sign in with your IBAN number. But the IBAN number is not connected to your identity mm -hmm. necessarily. So you can still, I mean, you're the one that decides basically what information you show to who. And with MetaMask and anything wallet related to crypto, it's very much set up like that. So you own your own data and your own connections and you decide who knows what about your identity or what is your wallet address could be something completely different than other information you have. And that, for example, with like if you would sign up with your email on Google, like there's a lot of information that's already linked to that. So you... By your email, Google knows like a lot about you that on the crypto world, decentralized things that that doesn't happen. Uh, and it's not, it's designed that it should not happen like that. So and so on doing good, you are more in will people be, some people be anonymous on the platform? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we do need to have a KYC on the platform itself. So yeah, we cannot, for regulation's sake, we cannot have like completely anonymous. We need to do some kind of KYC, but yeah, we try to maintain as much possibilities that we can to, to keep and preserve the identity of the people that are there. Okay. I mean, we don't store the data on our own. We don't even have servers, but that's all decentralized. So it's, it's always your own data. You're always in control of it and you own it. Mm. Uh, it's never ours. And that's just like one, one of the things that are like the core Web3 philosophy that we are applying. Great. I have one, one last question for you. And that is, where do you see doing good going <laughs> two, three years from now? What's it going to be? Mm, good question. I know. I mean, I see that the that this ecosystem is like thriving with all different kind of communities. 
and that are all like self-sustaining themselves through economic funding, but also really through connections and interactions between each other. I see the boundaries blurring a lot between creators and social organization, as in the end, everybody is a creator. And we already see things happening there that like a lot of social organizations are also artists and they also launch their own, own things. And the other way around, there's a lot of creators that are also having their projects that have a social impact and everything like that. So I see that blurring a lot. And what I see like for doing good, maybe more as a general thing, yeah, like the, the social impact will be so linked to our, especially digital profile. I think like it will be very hard, like in a few years to do anything and not think also to have like a social impact. So I think these, the things with all your actions online or whatever you do, uh, at some point they will be linked to the social impact that you create. And doing good is a way to be able to show that because everything is transparent and you can just show off like, oh, I did that and I did that. And with this art, I reached uh, this organization that this organization had this amount of impact on this amount of people. So you can tell the story about how you create things and how that has an impact on the world. And I think that is the kind of thing that in the next uh, years definitely will become more important. And I think doing good is playing a big role in that. I think that's a great summary and a great motivation to be on doing good's platform, which I think you'll it'll be launched probably by the time this podcast is out. Is that right? Oh, I hope yeah. so. <laughs> I think you're just in the final yeah, stages of launching right now. Yeah, we are a bit like, you know, in this adrenaline roller coaster yeah. of these last moments before launch. Yeah, well, so yeah, if you want to grasp some of that crazy energy, just come to Discord and hang out with us and see you. You'll be the first to know what's going to happen mm -hmm. <laughs> for sure. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking your valuable time to introduce the platform to us. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And thank you for your amazing questions. Great. I'd like to ask you questions. Too, yeah, you can. Yeah. Do that on I, our, go for our it. Podcast. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> I've got time. <laughs> no, it's like, no, it's okay. It's just, I would just really like to call out too, because I know you're really connected. There's a lot of organizations listening that are making a created like a social impact as well. Yeah. And I really like to see like, where do you see like where cryptocurrencies and social organizations, how they can best connect and where do you see that going? Yeah, it's a good question. I've been thinking a lot about it. So a bit of background for me is that. I work with companies to raise capital for companies in Africa. They're all companies, but social impact. So none of them are nonprofit, but they're all kind of like this weird stepchild between the two where there's a social impact, but they also plan to make money long-term, you know? So for example, there's Uber for tractors. Tractors are expensive, but if you share them amongst many people, Amazing. it's pretty affordable. There is a essential oil business where they plant trees. Actually, they pay for people to collect leaves from trees in the forest because if people collect the leaves, there's an economic value of those trees staying alive. Otherwise, people cut them down for firewood. So it's better they collect the leaves and the nuts. Now they want to keep the trees up. So it seems to be working, right? So these are the kind of companies that I help raise money for. And this the social impact part is something that it's, it's been hard to put a value on. If you sell a product and someone wants it, they'll pay you more than it costs you to make it. 
So that's good. But what about the other aspect of what they do, which is also valuable, but they haven't been able to price it really. So they try to raise grants, but it's a very mm-hmm. slow process to raise raising grants. You've probably raised them before. You know, it takes months and months, usually much slower than equity investment. What if there was a way to package up that impact yeah. and sell that impact to someone as an NFT? Like, I want to do this project mm-hmm. for this Uber for Tractors. We want to expand to Uganda and we need, you know, a million dollars to do it. So we raise it like a Kickstarter and then we do this project. So a few years from now, we've got this great project. It's amazing. People are really being helped. They're able to plow their fields, which is a huge difference than doing it by hand. You know, you could do way, way, way more. It's actually cheaper to use a tractor than do it by hand. But now let's say some other company wants to buy that impact. Like someone wants to provide liquidity. They want to get in part of the, become part of this. Maybe General Electric, a bigger organization that, you know, is there some way they can buy that impact? Is there some way to package the impact today and then say, in the future, someone might want to buy this as a collectible um, to add to their portfolio? Like you said, you know, what's some company's website going to look like in five years from now? It's not going to be a static page like this, right? It's going to be a 3D experience. No, probably not. It's, it's probably just going to be badges of NFTs. Badges. It might be like a, a 3D. It might be VR. You have a VR headset and you walk through a gallery of all the things that this company's doing. So instead of like walking through their website or walking through their office, like people go to my brother's fiance works at Facebook and people always want to get a tour of Facebook. But when you go there, there's nothing to see really. It's just a bunch of people in desks. You know, you can't really appreciate it. It's like, <laughs> what are you looking at? It looks like any other office mostly, you know, they have some cool coffee, you know, stores and things like that. But like, what are you seeing? But what if you could walk through Facebook and it was like, an exhibition of what they do, you know, or General mm-hmm. Electric is an exhibition of. Yeah, and I think it's like more also if you think about like in terms of NFTs, like you really need to identify like what is that unique thing of that particular business. I mean, even like Facebook, you say like, look, it looks like anything else. Like, so what is unique? What makes the thing unique to work there? So maybe it is the kind of people, maybe it is uh, what they talk about over the coffee or like, so these things that are unique to that organization, that what you said, like it could be the impact, the specific impact, but, and you can launch that as like a NFT, uh, like a collectible, because you can collect the different aspects of the impact maybe, and if you bundle them, it becomes a different kind of value. So you can be very creative. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the first step would be like to really identify like, okay, but what is that unique thing? And that is nice because then you start to see organizations and, and communities with the, the glasses of like, what is unique? And also what is the value? And that is a beautiful glasses to see any organization. I think. Yeah. Yeah. There's the way we've looked at funding donations in crypto has so far been a copy basically of the physical world. So just like, you know, originally Yahoo was a copy of the yellow pages, basically. It was just a bunch of listings of here's all the websites where you can get all this information. It's like alphabetized or or by industry. It was a direct copy of the yellow pages. I'm not sure if they have the yellow pages in Barcelona, but you know what I'm talking about? I think they use it as doors. Right. But there's a phone book. You get a book of pages (laughs) and it's got all the listings, all the phone numbers where you can call the plumber. So that Yahoo did that. It was a direct copy, but that's not the digitally native version. The digitally native version of the phone book is Google where you just type in whatever you want. And then it makes suggestions for you. 
You're not flipping through pages and things like that, right? So the same thing for crypto-related donations, like doing a donation like on a page, just like a Kickstarter, it's, it's cool. There's a lot of, there's a few organizations that do it. It's great that people can donate Bitcoin, like on Binance Charity or something like that. A lot of people are given a lot of money, but it's not taking advantage of the possibilities of cryptocurrency, right? It's just basically a direct no, exactly. copy. And also about the impact itself. Like we, the, the way that you can play with this is like it's a token, it's a NFTs, it's, a, it's measurable, it's transparent. So why not gamify it a little bit? And then like on Doing Good, we are, we are pretty worried about like the diversification of the impact. Like not everything should go uh, just to whatever, maybe environmental things. If there's other SDGs where impact is uh, very needed mm. too. So as a platform, we can gamify the collection. Like if you make a diversification of all your impact across the SDGs, for example, then you're, I mean, you're more incentivized to, to that kind mm. of thing than to just donate everything always to one SDG and, and have the the impact just in that way. So because it's a digital format, you can you can do a lot of different things with it. It's um, more than digital, so right? It should be a game. <laughs> and there's the feedback. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of, that's why I'm interested and I'm glad we chatted. I'm glad you're doing what you're doing because it seems like it's the furthest step towards a crypto native version of philanthropy or crypto native version of, I guess, you know, doing good, social impact, let's call it. It seems like the most yeah, crypto native I mean, version I've seen so far. For me, like it's it's to bring this concept of what of decentralization really to this other realm of the social impact organizations that are are already operating with that same values most of the time, but they are not really embedded into the technology that could support it. So, in that sense, that's why we have a lot of emphasis as well on the education part. Because we do want uh, to include these organizations into this this decentralized mentality that they already have, but that they can also talk uh, to other people that sharing these values. Uh, so it's not, I mean, on other platforms as well. Maybe you can do social impact organizations like donations, or you set offset your carbon. And some of these organizations don't even know that it comes from crypto or that it comes from somewhere or how this technology is used. And we really want to include these social organizations inside the ecosystem. So they are also getting knowledge and sharing knowledge about these, these mentalities and about other communities that share their values and that they didn't even know they existed. So, yeah, that's, I think that is the, the difference as well with other platforms that you can just make a donation and it's a kind of passive thing. Mm, it's interesting. It's like... You know how Coinbase is the on-ramp for money? It's the on-ramp for fiat money in cryptocurrency, really, for retail investors recently, right? Especially in the US. It's so simple. Yeah. Like they have tutorials there, things like that. I'm thinking doing doing good is kind of like the on-ramp for sort of the social impact because getting up to speed is so hard. Like there's so many organizations, <laughs> like you said, people who are doing the same thing, but they're talking different languages. Like if you're speaking different languages, you might as well be living on different planets. Like you can't communicate between each other. Right. And so yeah, getting exactly. people up and to like, speed, if you're at yeah. zero, like my mom runs a nonprofit. And so it's interesting chatting with her about, she's like, what is, what are these NTFs all about, Kyle? And, and, you know, I think it could be really useful for her, but it's going to, 
you know, most of the websites that would, I could look at, she would have no idea what's going on. And, but I think that, you know, in five or 10 yeah. years, they will be. We, we need to have like material and a language that people understand. So the, the, the social organization will spend less time on studying all these papers of grants and applying and filling in forms and everything. That's also a whole vocabulary in itself. Right. I mean, I tried to apply for many grants, but you just read the paperwork and you don't understand either what they're saying, you know? So this is kind of the same thing, like instead of like being completely focused on applying for grants and spending a lot of time with this bureaucracy, dive a little bit into the, the, the crypto world and the crypto donation part. And maybe it's a bit scary at first, but there is a lot to learn and it will empower you a lot more than if you would get a grant maybe from a government that like in two years changed completely their whole political agenda and then you need to apply again or like, I mean, everybody knows how the systems work and they do work for a lot of organizations and I'm not saying that we should not collaborate with them, but there's also other ways of funding, like really, really through connecting different communities together. And I think there's a lot of power to be found mm -hmm. there. So, yeah, I hope that we make this information more accessible to understand for a lot of people. So, yeah, they can open up their their portfolio of, of getting this funding and connecting also with other communities. Yeah, that's my hope. My hope, my hope is that doing good is like the coin base for social impact. It's the on-ramp. <laughs> Gets people up to speed. Cool. I think that's a great thought. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with that. We'll see how we'll see how it goes. Yeah, but just that we will be decentralized, not like <laughs> we are not a bank. We are not a bank. <laughs> great. Using control. Nicolene, so it's been it. great chatting. Thank you so much, Carl. All right, that's all the questions for today. If you have a question, go to wishesgranted.media and record your question there. This podcast is sponsored by Grant & Co., a consultancy that helps social entrepreneurs raise capital. Grant & Co. is looking to hire people like you, yes, you, to write proposals, build financial models, and do design work. Go to thegrant.co slash jobs to apply for a job. Again, that's thegrant.co slash jobs. Mm -hmm.